Most of the time when people are thinking of cults, names like Heaven's Gate or Jonestown come to mind. But in my research in Columbus, Ohio, having found what many people, hundreds it seems, on the internet are calling a cult, I am starting to wonder how common these things are and maybe maybe most cities have them, maybe even a lot of small towns do. I don't know. However common they might be, I also learned that there's many different kinds of cults. Uh, Xenos, if it is a cult, as the people who I interview indicate that it is, isn't really like Jonestown or Heaven's Gate, which were relatively short-lived explosive events. Short-lived, when I say short-lived, they lasted many years, but not decades. This one has lasted decades. It, it started in, I think, the earliest people were mentioning with the 70s or 80s in a small form, and it's grown from there. So it's fairly stable, and it doesn't seem to be heading in the direction of blowing up and, you know, having a Kool-Aid moment, but it is still, according to these people, very much a cult because it dominates their lives. Just to give a brief introduction to, to Xenos, now called Dwell, they are doctrinally pretty close to mainstream Christianity. They're a relatively extreme form of it, like Westboro Baptist Church, Pentecostal, evangelical type. I don't think the doctrine is exactly like any of those, but it's similar right-wing Christianity. Like I said, not that uncommon. You could find a church with pretty much the same beliefs anywhere in America, so that's not really the problem. The, the problem, according to these people, is the way that they control the members' lives. For instance, they're encouraged to live in houses together with other members to abandon their home and live with other church members, according to these people. For a while, maybe still, they had monitoring software on their computers and phones so that Xenos could know what they were looking at. And they're regularly reported on by their peers and there's a whole discipline process. So, so it really, really comes to dominate these people's lives in many ways that we'll get into later. But um, yeah, that's kind of an introduction to, to what Xenos is and, and why I'm doing this podcast. The initial impetus was a professor at Ohio State who told us about his stories about going to this place. And then we ended up, me and some of my classmates ended up looking into it a little bit more, more deeply and, and found hundreds of stories. Here's my legal disclaimer. Everything that follows is a report of people's experience and is their way of expressing what they experienced in Xenos. Any factual claims that they make about the structure of Xenos or Xenos in general that could be regarded as factual, I haven't verified. With that being said, these people are not the only people claiming to have had these experiences or making the same claims. If you want to find additional material, you can easily do so online. Xenos is a cult is one example. There's also several Facebook groups and Reddit threads. Uh, just do a, do a search. You can look at Xenos's website. They're now called Dwell, by the way. Or you can look at all of these other places. I would look at both if you want to be fair and balanced about things and make your own decision. But like I said, these are not the only people making these claims. Not even close. You should check out those other claims. Much of what people were claiming, both in these interviews, I wasn't able to include because it was one-off or because there were... There weren't enough people in the interview process who mentioned those things for me to make a segment about it, but almost everything that people said were things that I had seen elsewhere on Xenos as a cult or on one of the various Reddit threads. Feel free to browse those things. Like I said, this isn't an exhaustive list of everything that people say is wrong with Xenos. It's really just the tip of the iceberg. So do your own research. Make your own decisions about the facts of this case. Everything put forward here is either my opinion or a documentation of the personal experience of the people who left Xenos that I interviewed. And that uh, goes for everything in the following episodes for this podcast as well. I'll let the people who experienced it put it in their own words. In high school, I've heard of Xenos as a church, 
but I heard the typical, like, oh, that place is a cult, blah, blah, blah. Um, but after that, I didn't really hear much about it. Um, I got involved at the end. It was my senior year of college. And I, like, had been going through my own spiritual, like, journey seeking out a community that was like my main thing that I wanted. So I made a Facebook post about it and um, a girl that I had gone to high school with who ended up being my discipler messaged me on Facebook saying, Hey, do you want to meet up? We can talk about like your thoughts and what you're going through. You can even read some of the Bible if you want. And then we started getting coffee like once a week for probably like a month. And then um, I slowly started going to like the meetings. So from then, I think I had gone, I'd been going to meetings for about like six months or so. And then I ended up moving into the ministry house and I was there for three ish years. So I was like 15 and I was just like in class one day and this girl was like talking to me and another one of my classmates just randomly like out of nowhere about like religion she's like do you guys want to come to my bible study um and i had nothing better to do so so those stories are pretty typical there's nothing super exotic about getting recruited into xenos it's really what happens afterward that gets a little more interesting it also leads into the next topic, which is discipleship. My girlfriend actually had an experience with this. We didn't realize what was happening until I actually started doing this documentary. Essentially, the same thing that happened to the second person happened to my girlfriend, although she killed it a lot sooner. So this will be my only personal interjection here since my girlfriend had had this experience um, and it'll kind of give me an opportunity to, to talk about like the mechanics of, of what people in general said was, was going on here. Essentially she was invited to a, uh, a, a like a, a small get together. Uh, there was some wine, they were talking and then eventually there was a, there was a Bible study at the end, which she wasn't told about initially. After that, she realized that this was a religious group and she didn't really want to, you know, she didn't really want to do that. So so she, you know, she stopped hanging out with, with that person as much because that person kept inviting her to these sorts of things and became increasingly pushy until eventually she just broke off contact. Um, but fundamentally, if my girlfriend had engaged and had shown interest, it would have gone in the other direction instead of just being pestered via text for a couple of weeks afterwards, she would have been discipled by this person and, and brought into Xenos. And that's that's how ubiquitous this is. We didn't even realize that uh, that's what happened to her at that point until I started doing this. And um, it's really common. Like, if you, if you go to Ohio State, you probably know someone who has been to one of these meetings, or you might have yourself, and now you might, might be realizing what that was. But it's, it's really common. They have a very, very large presence at Ohio State, and Columbus State, and uh, at least from based on my this personal experience, it, it seems to be relatively common that they recruit in these places and look for college students. And this, that's what a lot of other people said. And that word I just mentioned there, uh, becoming someone's disciple, the discipleship process is is what I want to get into next because it's just the beginning of when things start to get a little bit more strange. Not quite insane yet but they're getting stranger and um i want to let the people who experienced it explain that to you normally what would be referred to as organic discipleship would be you bring someone who's a non-christian they come to church for the first time they accept christ and then you teach them um so that that's how like discipleship is encouraged um they call it multiplication, and so the model is it's like could be powerful if 
like you told one person and you told another person and you told a third person about God, but it's more powerful if you tell one person and they tell two people and they all tell two people and it turns into a big pyramid, <laughs> like a multi-level marketing scheme. Um, and it's like crazy that in LTC, it was like up on the screen, like one person, two people, like down in a big triangle. And I was like, okay, <laughs> like that makes sense. But they just called it multiplication. Um, so that's what they encourage. But also my discipler, I met her because I was in high school group and she was a new leader in our group. And um, she needed to be discipling people to be a leader. So like pods of people create a group so small discipleship pods like so to be a leader you have to have a pod and so she married one of my high school leaders so she ended up in a group so she needed a disciple and then one of the high schoolers brought me so she wasn't going to disciple me so I just ended up being mentored by this girl I'd never met and she also had just like moved here she was a minister or a missionary kid, so she didn't really, like, know what was normal college life either. So that was also weird also because she was, like, raised very, very, very conservatively, super conservative Christian family, out of the country, was not raised in America either, and, like, I have a very liberal mom. She, like, let me do whatever. I was raised with her. Like, I could do whatever I wanted. And so, like, she also, like, didn't, was not someone who would understand me enough to be, like, coaching me on my life. But, um, so we would meet on a weekly basis and sit and, like, read a book together or read the Bible together, um, and we would talk about it. And then usually it was just very, very focused time on, like, what can you do to like be doing better? Who are you reaching out to? If you're discipling someone, let's talk about that, what they're doing. What can we do to make like the home group better? Um, so like the longer discipleship went on, the less it was like sitting, reading a book and talking about it and more it was like, let's talk business, like what's going on in the home church, what's going on. Um, and it turns into more like coaching. Um, and then eventually, like, the, like, closer you are, or, like, the higher up you are in leadership, once you become a senior leader, you aren't discipled anymore, and then those groups turn into, um, I think they're, I don't know that that far, I think they're, like, workers groups, and so they're, like, groups of women who, like, are like group discipling each other kind of but that's like people who are fully indoctrinated and like have their own home groups that like live in their house and they're like in charge of um but also discipleship is the way that you like kind of prove yourself in xenos I, I guess um like if you can win someone from the world and get them to like accept Christ, become a Christian, and start a walk with God, then like you like are doing well, and that's like sweet. And so, like, the more disciples you get, the more you've like proven yourself, and you literally can numerically tell people like how spiritual you are. And it's like kind of subtly, I, I remember one time we were having a meeting where they were talking about all the new leaders that got raised up. And one of the girls had four disciples. And Dennis McCallum was like, this girl, she disciples this girl, this girl, this girl, and this girl. She's got a nice rack. Oh, no. <laughs> but yeah, so four would be a nice rack of disciples. Um... So yeah, it was just very much like, I'm spiritual enough to be discipled, now I'm super spiritual because I have a disciple, now I'm really, really, really spiritual because I have multiple, and now I can be a leader because of it. Given the enormous size of Xenos, 
there would have to be some kind of significant recruitment efforts, which is which is what the discipleship process is. It's it's to bring as many people in to spread the message as far and wide as possible to as many people as possible, with the express effort of saving their souls. Uh, that's that's the goal, which in and of itself is fairly normal in evangelical Christianity. For instance, like this person mentioned, one of the people that discipled her was the daughter of a missionary. That's essentially what the discipleship process is. It's people being missionaries in their own communities. Although there was a really interesting analogy that this person and several other people made, which was the analogy to MLMs, which uh, if you don't know what that is, an MLM is a multi-level marketing business. They're technically not pyramid schemes. They like kind of skirt at the edges of the law there on legal technicalities, but Essentially, in an MLM, you come on with a company and you sell their product, but the punchline is you, you really can't make money doing that. The way that you make money is by recruiting other people and convincing them to sell products, and then it repeats in a pyramid-like structure. A fun quote that I've heard about MLMs is, if you're ever in a room full of people who are trying to convince you that what you're about to sign on for is not a pyramid scheme... It's a pyramid scheme. That's your sign. I don't know if that's relevant here, but yeah, that was a that was a fairly common problem that people had, and uh, this discipleship process will, will come up a little bit more later in various other little excerpts. But I think one of the other things that I want to touch on, and, and I'm just touching on it this episode because there's really a lot of content related to these ministry houses, is the ministry houses. They uh, feature large in a lot of these people's problems with, with Xenos, so I want to let some of the former members speak on this. I'm curious about like the transition that you noticed from being like in the high school group to the college group. So I, my high school group folded my senior year, and so I was in the college group early. And so my whole senior year was kind of like, I'm ready to move into a ministry house. I'm stuck living at my parents' house until I'm allowed to live with everyone in my home church. So I was like already a part of the group and like every day, like just getting texts like, can't wait for you to move into our house and like get sucked in. And so like, I probably graduated June 1st of 2014 and then like June 2nd. I was moving into the house. I was like, I'm leaving. And I like, I wanted to be independent, but I also like, that was like my main focus. And I'd never lived on my own before. Like I didn't know my rights or like anything, what would be normal to agree with your roommates, like good boundaries to have. And so like signing the covenant I was like okay I like want to do what my roommates want me to I like want to live on my own I'm freshly 18 so yeah I definitely rushed moving into the house and I was very very young so then and I lived there for three years I moved out when I was 21 ministry houses I think are part of what what pulled me away because they are gross um, I would not want to live like that. There are four, could be six bunk beds in a room. Um, so no privacy. And that's that's to them an advantage that you don't have privacy. You know, you can't do anything bad that way. They're, the people are, are over all the time. I mean, it's just, it's disgusting. You're always expected to have people over. I lived in a ministry house for, let's see, eight. At one point, there was a there was a point where we had moved three times in about four months, five months. I, that's not unusual. You'll hear you'll hear people say that it's um, it was kind of intense. My experience in a ministry house was mixed because if it was just friends being with friends living together. It's actually pretty fun. Like, you have a good time in the ministry house. I mean, uh, who doesn't love having roommates? Actually, you know what? I mean, I wouldn't want a roommate now, but <laughs> um, <laughs> it was fun. I was in college, and I loved having roommates. Uh, 
but it's it becomes a bit jarring when those same people can kind of turn on you on a dime and they watch you. It's sort of like how we would call it I describe this. Being in Xenos, um it's like being at an interview every single day. You do really have to kind of carefully watch what you say. Um, and I think you learn to mask certain parts of yourself that are more human. Uh, because it, it's... I mean, they, they try to break the humanity. Really. I mean, it, it's a real thing. But my experience was about a year in, I had become uncomfortable and I was, I wouldn't even say I was stirring up trouble. I just thought there wasn't a lot of group think in the group. And I ended up meeting my husband and um, I think I was mostly drawn to him because he was not at all that way. Um, and he's, he's still, that was, in a ministry house is a, a kind of intense experience. It's a great experience if it's just roommates, but being that it's church, um, it could be cr pretty creepy. Uh, roommates texting you if you're out after one. It, it's a really good way for people to monitor you, although they would say that's not the intention. It, that's actually, it's solely the intention of a ministry house. It's a place of having what they would call fellowship and accountability. But um, I would really stress the accountability because it just, like if they, if they didn't see you reading the Bible enough, they would confront you. Hey, I, I haven't seen you read this week or what have you been reading? It was just questioned all the time. How are you doing? The term, how are you doing? If you were to say that to anyone else you're interviewing, what does the term, how are you? How are they doing? How are you doing? Mean it, it's never. How are you doing as a person? It's um, just a question on how to assess uh, your your character. I, I would say they would always be assessing, um, taking notes, uh, reporting back to leaders. So your house leader. Um, would be doing a lot of reporting to leaders and uh, conversations that you would think would be confidential with roommates. They were not yeah. confidential. Never. Wow, Unless you yeah. have a pretty cool roommate. <laughs> so that was a little bit on the ministry houses. Like I mentioned, we will be, these, these will be coming back. They're a very big feature of the complaints that these people had. And um, they're, they're sort of the setting for almost all of these stories with the exception of, of some group trips and, and, and some meetings at other places. But generally, this is where a lot of this is taking place, is in these ministry houses, which are the backbone of this church, according to these people. One of the more alarming claims that was being made, at least from the outside, by the people we interviewed was that several people said that their phones and computers were being tracked with with spy software that you had to have installed otherwise you would be socially ridiculed which is uh, pretty crazy um, I'll, I'll let the people who said they went through that explain that to you what yeah. were like some other we've heard a lot of people that there was just like they felt like they were always just being watched like from every angle around them did, did you experience like that pressure at all I mean outside of just like the like metaphorical being watched like I had spyware on my phone so I was literally actually being watched um on my phone on my computer so like my roommates would all get emails of like anything that I was doing so like I was being watched one which is like so crazy but yeah for sure like and I don't think I realized that because I was like always following the rules, but like the moment I stepped out of line, like every single person in my group had something to say about it. Everyone was asking, everyone knew, even people I didn't tell were like, hey, like, I heard something's on, like, do you talk about it? Like, do you pray about it? It's like, I don't know who told you that. 
but no. So um, the software they use is called Accountable to You. Basically, it's like a church-wide software that like each home church purchases. Um, different groups were different in how they like um, wanted people to use it. So some groups like mine, it was mandatory for a while. Like when I first joined, it was mandatory on your laptops, your phones, your tablets. You had to have it downloaded because it would basically be like a um, alert system. So if you had looked up like I think it's a song or a band, but it's called Cigarettes After Sex. Like, and someone was your accountability partner, they'd get an email immediately saying up saying you looked up something that had the word sex in it. Um, so if you were looking up like in a girl's house, for example, you look up bras to buy, or like for someone who's having a bachelorette party, you want to buy buy them like a fun bra or something that would get pinged. Um, basically any, any time you're searching something on the internet and it had like keywords, someone in your group that was like assigned to you, everyone was like assigned to different people. You'd get like an email saying, here's what they looked up. Here's when it happened. Like, and the goal was kind of, if you get a message about that for someone, you basically know that they're like getting into some sort of like thing that is a sin. Like I think for girls, it was um, like a little different, but for the guys, it was mostly like, Oh, you got an alert for so-and-so what porn were they looking at? So yeah, but there was a lot of things like that that were really, really weird. Um, they like really hyper-focused on sexual sin. Xenos, according to several of these people, went through several different kinds of phone tracking software. One that was mentioned often was Covenant Eyes, but also Accountable to You came up, and some people said they went through many of them. Privacy was a major recurring issue. This was just one example, one of the more culty ones, if you will. Because from the outside, it's pretty weird. But some of the people also mentioned, particularly people who were in leadership, that some of these places, maybe all of them, kept files on all of their members and that the files would be shared with upper leadership, including elders. These files would be ratings of people's character traits, things that they had done, particularly sins, sexual sin in particular, and... Uh, there was no sense of privacy in these things. One person actually sent us a checklist that was like 60 items long that basically was a rating scale for how good of a Christian someone was or how good of a Christian you thought they were. Here are some, some stories about that system and uh, rumors and gossip, things spreading like wildfire that you wouldn't want to be spread. Like... I mean, it's like kind of like a file on people. It is a report basically on the members in your church. They do a couple different reports. So like one report is how much is each person giving financially. Um, another report is called like, it was something about like specifically about like the disciples in your group. So it would say like, what, what's this disciple working on? What's their biggest setback with God? Who are their closest friends? What seems to be their biggest sin is like areas. Um, are they reaching out to other people to try to get them to join the group? Like, how do they fall like into line with the group? Like, are they someone who's committed? Are they not? There's, and I forget what it's called, some sort of ministry report or like discipleship report. Um, my, my friend who's the leader, she told me about it. She's also like, she's awesome. She's my best friend. She um, like showed me old emails and stuff the leaders would send back and forth to each other, like reporting on people. And it was insane. Like, when I got into sin, they literally 
emailed my counselor who was a Xenos counselor saying like, Hey, I know you're working with like her right now. What are some things we should be like, what are some things we should know? Here's the details of that night that she got into sin that we know of. Um, if you have more details, let us know. And then one of the girls actually met up with my counselor, one of the leaders, and she was, she went to get counseling herself, supposedly. She'd only gone a few times to see her and literally asked about me during her like counseling session. And then apparently um, my counselor said, you know, like, well, she has pretty girl syndrome. She can't take no for an answer. So, and literally told that to my home church leaders. So that was cool to find out. Oh. Yeah. Which, um, no, like I hadn't even really heard that. I think that was just like my counselor's take on it. But yeah, I mean, that's like also another issue is like you, you are constantly, I think a lot of people have so much anxiety and depression, like everyone's medicated who lives in the house or whatever, that everyone's um, like encouraged to go seek out counseling. And one of the main, or I guess first places they try to get you to go to is like Xenos counselors. Um, but Xenos counselors are not, they're not clinical counselors and they're not required to have like a closed mouth policy. They're allowed to talk about any of your stuff because they're not clinical counselors. Um, if that's what they want to do with it. They totally can. You don't. Yeah. If you want someone that's not going to share your like counseling sessions, don't go to the Xenos counselors. Um, yeah. So that was also crazy because it's like, those are the same people who are meeting up with your senior leaders in your home church who know each other well. And if they want to, they have the freedom to talk about anything you talked about in counseling. I Okay. I guess like the part of gossip that's like really, um, tempting is like, feel camaraderie with someone else by feeling better together with someone else about the person you're gossiping about and so like it's a really powerful tool to make a new leader feel like they're doing a good job by like noticing what other people are doing wrong and like being a part of the discussion um and I think that I definitely was uncomfortable with it, but it also was like itching the scratch of like, I'm doing well, these people aren't doing well. Let's talk about it so that I can get deeper in, so that I can be in a better standing with the other leaders. Look at all the things these people are doing wrong. Everything I notice because I do do those things and they don't do those things. And so like, I'm a good leader and like, you transparency is also really encouraged and so it's like the more transparent you are about like what you know about other people like the more godly and grace focused you being because you don't care about like legalism like you just care about being real but yeah and then were you i guess i do remember any conversations specifically you had about like when someone did fuck up or I remember I had one roommate who had ADHD and like it was just like always always hyper focused on her I felt like specifically because it was easy to be like oh my god this person like interrupted me again like who's gonna talk to me about it um but also like discipleship takes a really weird turn when you turn into someone who is discipling because then so when I, I like started discipling someone my relationship with my discipler became like let's talk about her and what she needs to work on which like 
turned into talking shit, basically. I, it felt like, like, let's nitpick her every week, see what she can do. Um, so that was, like, a constant. Yeah, but, like, living with tons of girls all the time that, to, like, just always being, like, framed in a way that was, like, I'll show her this verse so I can talk about her nasty attitude because I think she's a bitch and, like, okay, that's, like, and also, like, even when it's not just, like, oh, I have a personal problem with this or issue with this person, but, like, okay, let's say one of my roommates went out and, like, made out with a dude at a bar. Which normally would be, like, not that big of a deal. But in Zenos, that would, like, not be okay. So, one of my roommates went out and made out with someone at the bar. And she only told me. She didn't tell anyone else. And so, I'm sitting with my other roommate, who's my discipler. We're having our weekly meeting and talking about it. And I'm like, oh this person told me this, what's your advice so I can, like, help her and let's talk about why do we think she, like, has that issue with needing to go make out with boys? Why do you think she needs to go drink? Like, what are all of her problems? Let's talk about it so that we can help her, like, do better. And it just turned into, like, really crude and mean talk about each other, but also, like, let's work together to manipulate this person into like not wanting to go out and like have fun and go to bars like let's talk about how we can tell her that she has a problem with like needing boys attention instead so that she'll stop doing that um that's like something very specific i can think of but like that type of like oh, we know someone did something wrong let's talk about it and then it can turn into more and like manipulation and, like, working together. So that's a bit on, on the gossip and the files that were kept on people, the spread of information. This was a really common theme. I had to not include quite a lot of materials because there pretty much wasn't a single person we interviewed that didn't have something to say about this. I feel like it's kind of uh, one of the crux of the issues, and we'll kind of be circling back to it when we, uh, when we get to the shunning that people experience. But one other thing that I want to address in this first episode is the Xenos counselors. It was mentioned briefly in some of the earlier videos, but they were also another point of contention, both the Xenos counselors and the, the treatment of mental health in general. So they're not licensed therapists. They're not licensed counselors by any means. They're trained by Xenos leaders. Um, and... Really, like, the whole point is to, like, get you closer to God and not really work on your problems. And a lot of the work that I did with her was, like, it was sin-focused. It was, like, okay, what are you doing wrong that's making you not close to God anymore? So it wasn't working through your problems giving you more problems. Anyone who is like in counseling went either through Xenos or through this organization that Xenos okay. Because um, they were Christian counseling. And a lot of people who worked for Xenos worked at this, or like went to Xenos, worked at this counseling center. It's called Wellspring. One of the things that was mentioned a while ago, because um, you've talked about the confidentiality issues with counselors is very interesting. And, uh, I think we, we, we heard that before, but you also mentioned that like Zeno's counseling is like wildly different from like the kind of counseling you might get from or someone of a similar professional training. It's purely biblical. It, it is, you would not hear the words DSM mentioned, which nor would you probably in a regular counseling session or secular, I guess you would say, counseling session. 
but that's not, they don't consult the Bible. It is all, it's, it's sin-based counseling, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, and I will give them some credit, the counselors, because they, in a, in a, some of them do actually try to, uh, meet you where you're comfortable. My counselor knew, um, one of them, I, I had a couple there. My counselor knew that I did not want to be discussing biblical things because that's not where I was. But for the most part, they will um, point you back to the Bible. And and I felt so much validation and gratification when I emailed them. Um, basically, the subtext of my email was like, listen, you fucker, this is what actually was wrong. And I was right the whole time. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's... Uh, you, it's not good mental health counseling. If that is your struggle, which it, it almost always is, it's not. They focus a lot on relationships and um, self-dependence and trying to break you from being um, at all self-reliant and pointing you towards God, God, God. When a lot of these people that are going to counseling struggle with their faith anyway. So what's the point in like pointing someone to an invisible man they don't think is there? Also, this is something you're encouraged to have very low self-esteem. And I think oh, yeah. that's like a small piece mm -hmm. of why like we just did not make it because we're like all pretty strong headed. We're vocal. We push back on things we feel uncomfortable with. Mm -hmm. um, and it like, I, I think it takes some balls or confidence or whatever to be able to like speak up about stuff that you don't feel okay with mm -hmm. um and if you do you're kind of like bum rushed out yeah i mean if you're totally compliant then you're the type of person that they love, they love <laughs> and like yeah. adore and you're the you're the one that's gonna get raised up faster than everyone else because you're totally compliant in every aspect of your life as much as a human can be mm -hmm. um but for people like us, I mean, like, even going to their counseling sessions, like, I think I personally believe, like, we're given intuition, right? Like, intuition that tells us if I'm walking on a sidewalk at night, I don't feel safe if there's a man walking behind me. You know, it's like things like that, that you're like, those are natural human responses to determining if you're safe or not. And in their form of counseling with, at least with a crappy counselor like I had, um, you were not ever encouraged to use that kind of like intuition. Intuition was not um, an acceptable thing. It was, are you relying on God alone? Have you prayed about this? Have you sought counsel from other people about whatever the thing mm -hmm. is that you're struggling with? Your gut feeling about something isn't correct and it needs to be checked constantly, mm -hmm. which I think was always something that like, I think worsened not only my mental health, but other people's mental health who were in similar positions of going to see these counselors of, I think like you, as a human, you have some sort of intuition that tells you you're not okay with something or whatever. And you're taught to, Distrust. distrust that and so yeah. then your mental health worsens because right. you can't be confident of anything you, you are literally battling your own intuition and that's yes that's just such a mind it's putting everyone up to the point where you can't trust yourself you can't trust anything you know you yeah. have to question everything you have to take other people's words for truth oh, instead of your own because you don't know what you think anymore it breaks you down and makes your mental health way worse yeah. well and it's not just with counseling there either. Right. It's that is the culture. And mm -hmm. I struggled with this for however long. I'm a very confident, um, strong willed, outspoken person. And I, it was pride. 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 And yeah. it was so sinful that I was so prideful. Mm -hmm. And that I wanted to trust myself and I wanted to trust my intuition and uh, that I, uh, one of the other things that was consistently brought up with me is that I was unwilling to seek counsel. 
Now I sought counsel. I sought counsel from my good lifelong friends, from my family, from my my closest, dearest friends in my life. But I, not, it's not that I didn't seek counsel from the leaders in my group or the people in my group. It's that I disagreed with it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so at that point, I became a fool. Mm-hmm. Um, and right, they called me the fool in the proverbs from the proverbs or whatever. But um. <laughs> it wasn't until I left that somebody said to me, this isn't pride. So it makes sense that you would be confident about that. And it just clicked that, oh, wait, I don't have to second guess every single thing that I'm thinking here or every opinion that I have or seek 12 opinions before I decide that this is what I think is right and true and good in the path that I want to take. They just break you down to build you up. What? In the way they want to be. Yeah. In the way. And it breaks my heart too because I have friends that are still in Venus Dwell that will never become compliant. That's not their personality. And I don't think that they are ever going to succeed there. They're never going to be put in respectable positions like leadership they're not going to be respected or honored in the ways that they are trying so hard to be because of their personalities and their specific characteristics that are not I guess what Zenos is looking for even though they say that they're that that's not how it is right and then even once you leave you're left with being trained to not be able to make decisions about your own life without other people's input Um, because that's what they trained you up to be. They trained you to be totally compliant with every area of your life and dependent on other people, dependent on leaders' opinions. Leaders become gods always to be. Oh, my God. That Um, is one of the truest statements that's been said all night. They have such a boner for the, the elders of the church, especially Dennis. It's a cult following, and I was telling them the other week, I would just, I'd want to, like, crawl out of my own skin whenever I would hear people, like, cheer and whoop for Dennis whenever he would come up to teach. Like, gouge my eyes out, cut off my ears. I can't stand, I cannot stand the obsession with some of those people. We've talked for a long time. What are you thinking? What are your thoughts? I, like, I want you to have the floor. Sure. Um, no, I'm loving hearing what you all are saying, so don't worry about it. There's way more of you than there are than me, so. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say what some of you have to understand about Christianity is that that is a big umbrella. Um, even in one denomination, our, and I've experienced a lot of different kinds of Christians after Xenos, um, our different beliefs. Um, the church that I went to in college for a little bit there, there are members who believe different things about their belief think that you have to say xyz to go to heaven who think that everybody goes to heaven that it's actually for everybody you don't have to do anything and you can be a muslim and you'll go to heaven people in that church believe that i could write and and it and it can be evidenced in the the bible there's you know the bible's not like a math textbook like it's complex and it has was written a really long time ago and was translated a lot of times. So I could write you an essay that's really convincing that homosexuality is a sin and it has there's biblical proof. I could also write you an essay that is very convincing and has biblical standing and says that it's not a sin. And I think that Xenos lacks any of that ambiguity. So you don't get to make up your mind. You don't get to say, yeah, I believe in Jesus and I'm a Christian and, and I have these parts that I like about this church, but I don't, I don't agree with this. I think everybody goes to heaven, everybody. And they would say that's a problem. So, um, and it, and it goes back to some of what you're saying about going against yourself. I, I mean, that's something that I think is, is causing a lot of people Pain. I mean, I think you have a twofold reason why there's so much mental illness illness in Xenos. One, they attract people with mental illnesses. Yes. One hundred. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, you're you're sad and lonely, and come to Xenos. Um, 
and they they feed it too so you could be healthy and and it's something that i think is and i'm still trying to make up my own mind and my own theory of why i think that is is to what they were all saying which is the like it's like they instill cognitive distortions into you i mean that's something that therapy works around a lot you know is 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 working on your 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 cognitive distortions so it's tough and that belief too of of i'm a sinful bad terrible person um you know you're bringing someone in with that who already believes they're they're bad and horrible because they have major depressive disorder or something like that that's that that's you know causing their brain to feel that they are terrible and awful then they'll fit in really well with cnots because they agree they're really terrible and awful or you'll have someone who's confident who's now being told that they're really terrible off and awful and have to like change their own cognitions to fit into that. Um, I mean, trust has become so different for me since I left. I feel like I, I, when I do something that goes against like my instincts and my trust for myself, I feel so deeply hurt by it. And I think it's in part because I did that for a while and trained myself to do that for a while when I was in Xenos. So in this episode, I kind of wanted to give you a feel for how people end up getting in Xenos. Hopefully you, you got the correct impression that it's these are pretty normal people. Like you don't have to be crazy or, or gullible or something to end up in a place like Xenos. A lot of times these people were lonely or looking for friends or just new to the area. So it, could, it could happen to anyone. And yeah, like there, there are certain things that people found really appealing about Xenos. Some of which is, is a reflection of things that our society is lacking, uh, particularly a, any coherent sense of community. So a place like Xenos, even with all of its fairly glaring problems, that someone from the outside might see uh, could be very appealing to people who are looking for community. And that's that's how they bring people in. You could also kind of see a little bit of the recruitment process once people are in. And, um, and I, I try to dip a little bit into the issues so that you kind of get a sense of like why this podcast would exist in the first place. Just, just a smidge with the Xenos counselors. In the next episode, I, I kind of want to take a deep dive on the problems that people are having. That's largely going to be centered around the ministry houses and the discipline process, as well as some more on shunning, because that's that's kind of where where people had issues. Hope to see you there. <laughs>